0: Shield, the social distancing edition. Actually, we've always been social distancing because we live pretty far away from each other. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to mention, since you're probably just bored at home like we are, why not take a second to leave us a, a nice review, five-star review, wherever you listen to your podcast. That would really help us out a lot. Anyway, I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Derek, Hello. So... Over the past few years, an obscure, at least outside of their native Japan, dub and dream pop band called Fishmans, who formed in 1987 and called it quits in 1998, has suddenly and inexplicably acquired an obsessive cult following on sites like Rate Your Music and 4chan's Mew board. Before this week, none of us had ever listened to Fishman's, but we've certainly noticed their 1996 Magnum Opus Long Season climbing up the Rate Your Music charts. It's currently at number 105 overall and will reach number 60, the 60th greatest album of all time when Rate Your Music implements its new ranking system sometime this year. And we decided it's high time that we check it out. So we're about to dive deep into the long season album itself, but we're also going to spend some time discussing the highly acclaimed live version of the entire album on the band's classic 98, 12, 28, Otoko Tachi no Wakare. I'd probably say that way, way wrong, which is currently the highest rated live album on radio music, by the way. And we'll talk about our early experiences getting into Fishman's as well. Now, as I mentioned, none of us have any previous familiarity to go over at the top, but I thought we could go over some of the background info we picked up as we were first approaching Long Season. It seems to me that this album and Fishman's in general have this mysterious kind of aura around them, so I wonder if any of that stuff informed your first listens and what about their background gives them that aura in the first place.
1: Yeah, I like purposely uh didn't read much into it at first cuz I wanted to, you know, just experience it fresh. I, re- I really like didn't know what i was getting into at all um but then you know what that live album i read like the wikipedia and that that's like pretty crazy it it was like for the i think it was the bassist was like gonna retire but then the singer died and stuff and you know that's a that's a good story i love a good story
0: yeah yeah what did you make of all that stuff darren
2: yeah i didn't read into it um early on i just kind of jumped right into the album at first um but you know, and it almost kind of organically happened just through listening and gaining interest to then turn to like the Wikipedia and actually read up a bit more. And and then I got to that same story that Dan was just talking about, that that live album turned out to be their very last concert as well before the lead singer died, which is just kind of yeah. altered that entire experience of listening to that album and then ending on long season as it does uh, really kind of um, elevated that listening experience and like dan said i love a good story too so i I think that element kind of adds to you know just the entire experience i guess
0: yeah i mean it's really quite tragic because like you guys mentioned um the that last concert supposed to be sort of a A goodbye, but doesn't seem like bitter in any way, you know, just like the basis wanted to move on and it was going to be sort of a joyful goodbye to the band. And just three months after that final concert, which is documented on this famous live album, uh, lead singer Shinji Sato, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong as well, um, passed away of uh, congenital heart disease. that I guess he sort of, you know, dealt with his whole life, Um, but just really sudden and really, you know, sad right after this, like really joyous celebration of their entire career arc. Um, and then I think it was like 2007 or a little, you know, sometime later, um, this guy, Hanzi, who isn't like strictly a band member, but seems to have collaborated with them, uh, pretty, pretty often, you know, he plays violin and stuff here. Um, he passed away as well. So there's like this tragedy looming over them. And yet I think what makes it so interesting is that they have a very, you know, we'll get into it obviously, but just like a very joyful sound to them, which like really, you know, it doesn't like clash with this backstory as much as make it like sort of a melancholy, but happy thing. You know, that's just very mm-hmm. unique. Um I, I also want to mention that there's just something about, I wonder if you guys agree with me, like something about the the album cover of long season where it's just like these three guys walking on this like wooden bridge sort of thing that goes through these trees and doesn't it just give you like the most mysterious like if you just saw that in a record store i'd be like i have to take this home
1: yeah it it's got like a, like sort of a like a found photo kind of thing cuz there's yeah. no there's no real like text on it. i don't think there's any text at all actually right. and um yeah it, it's like it's sort of out of focus like their faces are out of focus you know they're like it's like very anonymous uh mm. looking people and it yeah it's just like sort of feels like a uh, a, a semi spooky photo you you found in a in a parking lot or you know at a thrift store or something.
2: Yeah. yeah, I agree. I I think the album art is, you know, very kind of mysterious. I I think the idea of it just being a single 35-minute track is also kind of uh very inviting. I I think yeah. for folks like us, you know what I mean? Um just something that you don't often too often see, right? Just a single 35-minute yeah. track, right?
0: yeah that's pretty arresting you know if I like found this record somewhere and then I just flipped it over and saw that it was like just one track or in some cases divided into parts um yeah that would really really pique my interest because it's like this is just I've never heard of these people and yet they're like really just shooting for the stars here with this like epic statement you know must be um another thing I sort of picked up And we'll talk a little bit about the live album um, later, but I I spent some time listening to the whole thing and kind of like dabbling in some of their, uh, the rest of their discography. And they have a pretty weird, um, you know, trajectory as a band, I thought, where it seems like they have this kind of funk rock thing going on. Like maybe they're coming out of that, like, you know, when Red Hot Chili Peppers were still kind of cool, Jane's Addiction kind of a thing, you know, and then like, somehow start to move into like pretty pure dub reggae pop kind of a thing and then start to settle into like a psychedelic
1: dream pop world i mean that's like bizarre isn't it yeah i mean it's it's really like a crazy trajectory and in fact like when when you see it on paper like that you know funk rock to psychedelic dream. It, it's sort of like like I'm glad I didn't read that before I listened to the album because I, <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would I would have been like ah oh, this is this is going to be awful but um yeah I mean it, it, I I can't think of another uh you know band that that that's had a similar trage- trajectory at least
2: Yeah, it kind of almost makes it difficult to follow um, if you try to go in, like, some sort of chronological order. Like, I was sort of, like, bouncing around a bit on YouTube just to get... You know, sometimes it's just nice to get to see the band members, see the band perform, and, you know, you would go from one partial performance of, like, long season video of that to, like, one of their very, like, reggae dub... Uh, performances and i'm like is this the same Uh, band i'm like trying to look around at the members to like see if i recognize anybody because yeah it's so wildly different yeah the time periods and stuff but yeah it's kind of yeah
0: there's just like nothing about them from what i can tell and i again i want to like sort of add a disclaimer that we're not experts we're sort of capturing the experiences experiences of some first-time listeners here you know but um It just feels like long season comes out of nowhere, right? Maybe people would disagree with that, but it's like, I just feel like if you listen to everything pre-1996 by this band, it's also pretty weird that like in the same year, they released another album that people seem to love, but is a little bit more like traditional song type structures and a little bit more in that dream pop world. Um, But if you listen to the pre-1996 stuff, I just would never have guessed like their next album is going to be long season, you know? Right, Um, right. But on that note, let's kind of dive into the album itself. Um, You know, I wonder if we can start with the wide view, Dan, and kind of describe, like, what's the overall structure and sort of tone of this piece?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of difficult because it it moves um quite a bit you know for for being like one piece you know it's not like incredibly repetitive but that said it does start with this like um you know very like minimalistic um repeating uh motif i i think it's like on guitar first and then um this like piano i guess it's a loop i don't, I don't know darren you said you watched some videos i i didn't uh is it someone actually yeah it's gotta with? it's gotta be a loop yeah it's I a know because I, I was thinking uh, to get you know aside here but I was thinking on the live thing like oh god your fingers would be fucking killing you <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so I assume it's a loop but but yeah you know it moves it moves from this loop to and then you know it, it, it sort of like grows and grows like more more things kind of come in and, and come in and then uh in the middle it sort of uh, not falls apart but like everything kind of disappears into this like uh experimental uh section yeah and then you know it all builds back up with even you know sort of more things uh i think it's a violin you know um there's some other instrument Accordia. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah you know like this sort of strange uh very like you sort of said gabe like joyous uh sound um comes back and all it, it's like a it's a it's a real uh, it's a real trip you know ride you know throughout it
2: yeah the the live version if you listen on headphones like it actually starts off very faintly you can hear that piano piece and I, I think it's kind of clear that it that's sort of like a metronome for them it's yeah it's not as obvious in the studio version because they probably like silenced it but in the live one you can basically hear it almost the entire time yeah Um,
0: and i I feel like we should clarify you know it's like an arpeggiating you know kind of like chord and it's almost like two chords so it like plays you know three bars of the of the one chord but you know down for for just a second and then back up yeah and so it gives this kind of like hypnotic arpeggio basically just like running over the whole thing especially in the live version but it's kind of like the the rug that ties the room together, so to speak. Uh, but go on, Darren.
2: Yeah. And and so just like Dan was sort of describing it, like there's different sections to the track, you know, five identifiable like parts really where like something starts. There's kind of like maybe some certain instrumentation or some something about each part, I think, that separates it from the last. And then it sort of comes back down. And then the next part sort of starts. Um, I think that's pretty fair to say, Gabriel, wouldn't you?
0: yeah i mean it's got kind of like an interesting it's weird because i actually struggle with this it's simultaneously very repetitive and like a huge journey it yeah. feels like mm. um because it's a pretty basic like kind of it's just like this repeating bass line these arpeggiating notes that basically sound like these same two chords the whole time and um And then there are, like, a couple other chord progressions, but it's, like, everything can kind of slot on top of each other if needed. So it's, like, not going to change, like, keys or anything like that. Um, And, you know, it it sort of has this... It has this vibe of, like, I know it's not this, but it has this vibe of, like, everybody recorded, you know, 35 minutes of their part. And then you can kind of, like, just play on the faders and bring them in when you want them, you know? So, So, like things will kind of slowly disappear. Things will come back in. There's like a couple, there's like just basically two sort of um, really identifiable synth lines, like synth type hooks um, that appear here and there. Things disappear without you really noticing. And, you know, if I was going to try to describe like the actual music of it, it's a pretty unique mixture, I would say, of like, the the bass is just so fat you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. it, it's really got like a dub feel and yet there's nothing really dubby about like the way it's actually played you know um but it's it's sort of mixed like a dub album um or a dub song rather where the bass is so fat and booming and the drums are really quite light like they almost sound like they're played through a high pass filter or something yeah. to where The bass is really like the low end and you get this kind of like, you know, marching, rolling drum sounds that aren't heavy and booming. Like they're really quite like, you know, just clacky, like glittering sounds that almost blend in sometimes with the arpeggiating bell sounds and piano notes and stuff like that. Um, And just to add on to that, like I was saying, in, in dub music... You know, when you make a dub mix of like a reggae song, it's basically like a live improvisation on the mixing console, you know what I mean? Like where you're adding delays here and there, you're pulling things out, you're like sucking all the air out of it and then bringing in like just a just the bass and a bunch of empty space and then bringing in all this stuff and then taking it all out. And the album kind of moves in that way, you know what I mean, where it's like you mentioned it there and it like sort of you build up and then you drop everything out and you build back up again. And yet there's lots of like builds and drops and disappearing. Like the rhythm will just disappear at points, right? unexpected points even, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I was going to say like, yeah, like you said, Gabe, it does sort of have like this feel like somebody's, you know, playing the faders, you know, like, like I, I think like the, the engineering of the record is, is a, you know like the like the, the 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 fifth beetle or whatever i don't i don't know how many yeah, people are in right. this band but um you know like it, it it really seems like an instrument in and of it itself
2: yeah it, you know and I, I think when you when you talk about a track that goes 35 minutes even if it's split into parts you know i, I want to make sure that it's kind of understood that it doesn't really feel like this is just some sort of jam and they are kind of like looking around at each other and they're like okay we good and then kind of like Putting an end to it, like it really seems pretty deliberate. Like, yeah, it does. You know what they're trying to do in each one of these parts. um And I, I get like the idea of like you know messing around with the faders and everything, but it it really does feel like everything is there just long enough. You know, it, it doesn't really feel like anything overstays its welcome or yeah. Into, but like, I get the improvisation territory too much.
0: Yeah, but I get like a strong feeling that those decisions, those smart decisions, were made like afterwards at the mixing stage probably because I bet like you know there was I bet they just like had a lot of accordion and stuff to work with and that they're sitting there like piecing this thing together and deciding like oh yeah the accordion needs to come in here and it's really interesting to me how nothing really like steps on each other too much you know you get the sense of it's like building and adding layers and stuff but it's not like the simple trick of okay we've got like these 10 parts let's make the crescendo just everything playing yeah, at the same yeah. time. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you almost, you'll never hear like the violin and the um, accordion playing at the same time. basically. Right. now, you know, you'll never hear the two synth lines on top of each other, et
1: cetera, et cetera. It's really like masterful in that way, because when, you know, before I actually listened to the record and stuff, when you see it's a, a one thirty five minute, you know, track and stuff, I, I really did sort of think it was going to be like real jammy and stuff. And, it's not it does seem like very like masterful and like um purposeful you know what what's made the record um but i i see like on the um the wikipedia it says like the producer uh quote would shed blood from his eyes from looking at the monitor for too long <laughs> so you know go. i think i think the editing is is a big thing here but um I, you know i i don't think that's like a negative uh towards the record at all you know i i, I think like having the um you know the the like knowing what to keep and what to get rid of and stuff like is just you know just as great as as playing it you know that way either the first time
0: yeah and it's like brilliant and like very playful the way that like i swear sometimes like the the bass and drums will just like vanish and then come in for like one bar and then vanish Mm -hmm. again you know like it there's a lot of that like tinkering that makes it just really really fun um what do you think of that darren
2: yeah yeah i i think we should also mention that like this long season actually started off as just a single song right it was called that's season yeah. shorter so so to your point Gabe, about you know probably having lots and lots of material to then kind of mess with and cut in in spice and everything i think that's that sounds pretty accurate and probably was what happened when they started with the original song, the shorter version just kind of started expanding it and expanding it. What can we do here? What can we add here? Um, The live, there's a live video and for some reason Mm. only like part four is available on YouTube. The rest of uh, of it's not there, but in part four it shows um, the same person who plays like the violin seems to be playing the accordion as well. So yeah, it's that um, Hansi person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: And so, you get the vibe when you're... When I'm watching the video, you get the vibe. There's, like... There's tons of people, you know? The stage is huge. There's, like, people everywhere. Everyone's got, like, a little part and everything. But um, they know... You know, like, Hansi knows when to, like, all right, violin part over. He puts it down. He picks up the accordion. It's not like he just hops in whenever. He hops in at the appropriate right. moment, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I get the sense that they... Like, they did a lot of playing in the studio. Um, Studio as instrument kind of style. And that they then like rehearsed and learned this piece as they had constructed it and then they they you know we'll get to the live version more in depth but they pretty much have it down to a, a t uh you know it's not like just a free form version of this song yeah it's not like oh let's just play and play and see what happens you know it's like very very constructed yeah. by the end but um but yeah i mean i just want to emphasize that I, I think that that is like a virtue of the record for sure is that it's got that like exploratory playfulness and that you feel like every decision is very deliberate, even though it was like maybe constructed at the mixing console. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, I think it's important to bring up some kind of influences and like touchstones here um, in further describing the sound. But, you know, first I want to ask if you just listen to this, I mean, do you think you could nail like what time period this is even from?
1: No, I really uh, don't think I could, and I think that speaks to why it's like suddenly, um, you know, gotten this resurgent. You know, like it, it, it to me at least, it, it seems like it's kind of come out of nowhere that this, you know, 1998 right. album is just you know popular all of a sudden. And I think I think that it like proves that no, it, it, it you can't really tell. Yeah, no, not at all. Um,
2: you know, I would not have known that this was in the 90s, 2000s. I wouldn't have been able to guess. I mean, I, I suppose. You know, you wouldn't go too far back, you know, maybe
0: right, right. yeah, of course, 80s but. and
2: beyond. I don't think we'd go that far, but anywhere between the 90s and, and literally today, like if this album was like something that came out a couple of years ago this year, I it wouldn't have surprised me. I would not have been like, oh, that's that's weird, not at all, yeah.
1: I don't know if it's been like uh remastered or anything, but even the like production itself doesn't like sound uh right. or, or 90s ish or anything, I don't think,
0: yeah, you know. I I feel like it does have that kind of like timelessness about it. And I think it helps that everybody's kind of discovering it like well after the the time it was recorded. Um, And yet I did find myself after, you know, several listens and kind of really thinking about it, you know, finding those sort of 90s connections um, for me, like a really big thing that I'm reminded of constantly is Radiohead, just in the sense of Well, his vocals are they have this kind of like whiny, but soaring, like beautiful, you know, high register kind of thing. A lot of the time, Um, even his like scatting, you know, reminds me of like Tom York on Lotus Flower and stuff like that. You know how he does those kinds of things. Um, So I get that vibe. But I also get the vibe of like this kind of this kind of like very clean sound where You know, there's not like distortion. It's not like a grungy kind of 90s, like alt rock thing at all. But every guitar is like treated in some way. You know what I mean? Like, you know how like you listen to like subterranean homesick alien or whatever um, off OK Computer. It's like those guitars are like, you know, how does a guitar come to sound that way? You know, it sounds like a clean guitar. You would describe it as clean and yet it is so treated, so filtered. I really get those kind of like tinkering vibes with this album
2: yeah definitely that that whole line the <laughs> yeah in the live version the, the guitar was playing but <laughs> when i had first listened to this i couldn't decide whether is that some sort of like a synth yeah right yeah no, exactly you know? yeah i had the same same feeling
0: yeah a lot of sounds that you can't tell what they are i also get a you know there's obviously like a uh Big like progressive pop kind of vibe here in the sense of like a huge long composition. And it's interesting to remember that, you know, the late nineties, 96 is when this comes out. Um, that, you know, post rock is really blowing up. And I would put this a little bit more in the like tortoise school of post rock, you know, you know, it's like, especially, you know, that millions now living album by tortoise has a lot of those dub influences, kraut rock influences, you know, just like, sort of repetitive jamming, minimalism, Um, but, you know, do you guys guys see it sort of fitting in, like, the epic grandeur of 90s post-rock at all?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that a little bit, like, when I was listening to it, but I wasn't sure if I was just, like... Putting it there a little bit in my mind because of the like the one song that's thirty five minutes kind of you know that's like right, a super right. post rock move. So I wasn't like sure with myself, uh, you know, if it was just that bias or or what. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you you mentioned Tortoise. I think that it is. It's not that it like sounds exactly like a Tortoise record or something, but like uh, it's it's definitely like in a uh, a similar sphere of uh, of that.
2: Yeah, and I mean, considering their career trajectory like it kind of seems like maybe this was like their attempt to do something that they maybe have been influenced by around that time you know what i mean um yeah true so i think that that would kind of fit into you know the tortoise or whomever you know what i mean
0: yeah you get a little bit of like a you know uh i want to say scott walker but like not that crazy but you know just like a vibe of like we're not so happy just playing like reggae pop Anymore, you know, and like we're hearing all these cool records, you know, from America or whatever, and they're sure. doing some crazy shit. And uh, let's like go for broke. Let's like do something real, real big. Um, another thing I jotted down is like early Portishead. I think there's like a strong trip hop element to the you know beat like nature of this. I was really struck when I first put it on because I I sort of thought it was like a psychedelic rock band, you know, which I guess it technically is, but when I put it on, I was like, this sounds like an electronic record, you know? Um, there is a quality, especially, you know, obviously to the to the record, but especially at the beginning of the record where I, I basically can't decide, like, what is sampled and what is played at all. Like, almost everything, because of that treated quality I mentioned, and because of the looping, repetitive nature of everything, I wonder, like, is that a sample? Is that a sample? Like, some things are definitely samples, like we mentioned. Um, there's a part, like, where, like, You know, like the ba 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 vocal line and stuff. On the live version, that's like so like clearly sampled. You know, I don't know if they sang it for the record or what, but did you get that vibe? Like, you know, there's kind of like a if you just told me everything was constructed
1: from loops, like in a stereo lab kind of way, in a Portishead kind of way, I would believe you. Oh yeah, I mean, like like I said at the very beginning, I wasn't sure if you know somebody was if that was a piano loop or or somebody <laughs> yeah. like playing it and stuff. But yeah, I mean, even like sometimes the drums, even which I I really love the drums on this record, but right. you know, like some some it, it never feels like a drum machine, but it never. Doesn't feel like a drum machine, you know. I I don't know, it, yeah. it, like sort of in in the, the like krautrock kind of way, you know, like like especially like Can, you know, like people always said that like Jackie Leibzite was like the human drum machine. It, it right, sort of has like right. like, like a, that that sort of uh, Jackie feel to it, where it's like it's it's so like I don't want to say perfect, but like just just correct that it that it's, it's like precise. Yeah, and yeah, precise yeah. is a good word. Yeah, and and control like that you're never. Like, I don't think it's a drum machine,
0: but I, Cause you, I wouldn't be like, surprised. Like the opening song on, on the first Portishead album, Dummy, it has this like kind of shuffling, you know, drum roll quality to it. And I get like that same vibe from the, you know, when the drums get like pretty intricate um, and shuffling in that same way where it's like, I could totally buy that this was just sampled off of like, you know, a cool jazz record yeah. or something like that. Um,
2: did you get that sense, Darren? Early on, you know, I, I think I was a little more like Dan thinking, like, everyone's playing something, even that piano p- part, but after, like, repeated listens, I'm like, there's just no way that somebody's, like, so yeah. perfectly playing that um, right. for 30 minutes. It's ridiculous. So, you know, after, like, listening to it more and more, certain things started to pop out. That are like, okay, this does actually sound like a loop. And, you know, again, when I watched a live video, the drummer's got, like, a a machine right next to him where he's going there and hitting different buttons and kind of setting off other certain samples or whatever. It was for a different song, but like that's that seemed to me. Okay, that's the vibe that they're going for. There's like a mixture of live instrumentation yeah. and drum machines and other other sample equipment, you know.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's that's all like very in the 90s school of thought when like sure. you know, one of the reasons I just love the 90s is that like everything was wide open. You know, they were just like excited about dub music, you know. They were excited about like African music and there's like some kind of tribal drums in the middle section that I want to talk about more in a minute um You know, there's like people are interested in hip-hop, you know, like back then it just felt like hey hip-hop is cool Like I know that I play, you know, your back or something I know I play like folky lo-fi rock, but like Why the fuck can't I like buy a drum machine and make a hip-hop song? You know, there was just like a free will and spirit of the 90s and I feel like that's all over this um other stuff I jotted down um I don't know if you guys were, like, big Sigur Ros fans at all.
1: Not really, no. I mean, I'm aware. Uh, I, I just never really liked them. A couple of their albums. That Untitled
2: album from way back in the day.
0: Yeah. I mean, they just have, like, this very distinct, like, joyousness, you know? Like, it makes you want to cry tears of joy when you yeah. listen to them or something. And I feel like, uh, you know, this is, like, obviously before Sigur Ros, but I feel like it kind of looks ahead to that a little bit. I also thought a lot about, like... um um and I saw other people referencing um similarities to kind of Animal Collective in a way. You know, that like arpeggiating line that's just over the yeah, top of it just feels so like Meriwether Post Pavilion. Like this sparkling, glittering, like, you know, psychedelic just dream state that yeah. you're in. Yeah, I can um, see that. and I thought I thought too about like um Panda Bear's Person Pitch, which is kind of like this hazy daydream vibe of like just, you know, some of those really long songs, they just sort of like travel in the strangest ways, um, get quite noisy and abstract at points even, Um, you know, and I I thought like, wow, it it was so unique that he's basically making pop as if he was a dub producer. But I find now that, you know, like all those years later or earlier um, Fishman's was doing the same thing. Um, So I just ratted off a bunch of stuff. Was there any like, you know, touchstones that you guys identified it? Or did you feel like this was,
1: really a very unique sounding kind of thing yeah i mean i i think it, it mostly i i felt pretty unique you know i i couldn't think of like oh this reminds me of this band you know like like the things i mentioned you know like little little parts of it like i said the can yeah. and and you know right. tortoise and stuff but, but nothing where i was like this sounds exactly like that you know it's just sort of like things that gave me the feelings of other things yeah, it's
2: it's really funny that you mentioned Cigaros, uh, Gabe, because I actually had yeah, I have a Japanese friend of mine who had a while back actually mentioned this album. I just hadn't listened to it at the time, oh. so I went back to him and I was like, "Hey, you know, how did you find out about Fishmans?" And he said that a friend of his that he went to a Jonesy concert with had okay. said, "Hey, you like Jonesy Cigaros? Check out this band." So it's kind of funny Interesting. how that yeah that kind of came around. So um, you know, I don't know. Like I, I think I agree pretty much. All the things that you're sort of listing, I mean, you mentioned Radiohead, you mentioned Cigarose, you mentioned Animal Collective and Panda. I mean, I think I agree with all those. It, what's really odd is, like, in my listening, I just wasn't really thinking about too many other bands. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like this is sort of, like, a a special experience, you know, and part of it may, may be to do with, like, I don't know, when it comes to, like, a band from a different country, um... I I try, I try to give them, like, the benefit of the doubt, like, that they're sort of, like, creating their own genres of music or their own take on genres of music over there, you know, and I'm sure that yeah. they're influenced, obviously, by, like, American bands and stuff, but it's always, it's just really cool because, like, it seems like they add something that is unique to them. Like, this sounds very much like a Japanese type of band yeah. and their take on, you know maybe some of the influences that we have pre, you know just mentioned but you know you know what i'm saying
0: yeah i'm actually always fascinated by that because it's like you think about like Fela kuti is just like making nigerian james brown and it just so happens to be like the craziest most unique thing you know it's mm-hmm. it's like absolutely fucking incredible but um yeah it's really amazing to, when you hear like western influences pop up and just radically transformed um, across the world I do think there's a cool element to that. And I do think that adds to like the kind of mystique of this album is it sounds a little bit otherworldly, you know, you can identify these things, but you often don't think about them. Um, I did want to kind of follow up on something you just mentioned, which is like this, like transportive quality to this album. I mean, we've been describing instrumentation and like influences and stuff, but you know, a lot of people talk about just this kind of like transcendent, (laughs) like magical, Quality to this, I mean, how would you guys describe just like that? Do you feel that kind of thing with it, and why does that happen?
1: Yeah, I feel it a little bit, I think because it is like sort of uh its own thing, you know it doesn't it doesn't like seem so. Uh, of a time or of a place, or you know, oh, it sounds like this band that was also around at that time, or even later or earlier. And then, I mean, I think the like um the vocals are, are like the the singer; he's got like sort of an odd voice, uh, which yeah. honestly took me a little bit to get used to. um But and then it being in you know us being American, like it, it being in a language I don't understand, like gives it sort of like a, a mystique uh, around it and all too, you know.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I want to ask you, Darren, about the lyrics because I know you did a little, a little extra homework on that. But you know, do you find this thing kind of like? I mean, I, I find like that I try, I can't put my finger on it. You know, maybe that's what the case for all great albums. But I think those arpeggiating notes, you know, they just sound like, you know, it just sounds like a spiral of, you know, that's just like drawing you in the whole time. I I don't know if it's because basically throughout this, uh, I'm surviving this quarantine by. Just uh, playing Nintendo Switch all the time and I'm playing uh, (laughs) the new Zelda for the first time, you know, Breath of the Wild. But I just feel like, damn, like that accordion and those like tinkling notes just reminds me so much of like Zelda music. And it just gives me that like magical, mystical feeling like I'm being sucked into this like beautiful new world or something. Am I, is that a stretch, Darren? Or are you no, 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 to... no, not
2: at all. Like I, I'm, I'm totally there with you. I, I feel like it's transportive. Like it's, it's hypnotic. You know that that piano yeah. line, and it's one of those things. And we talk about this when we talk about some of the greatest pieces of music. It, you don't want, it, you don't want it to end. You know what I mean? Like thirty-five mm. minutes of of nonstop listening, and I'm still like, I'm like, put it on repeat. Like here we go again. Like I, I want to hear this over and over again. It actually, I've been listening to it so much, like. I had to force myself to like, all right, let me li- like just listen to the other tracks on the live album. Cause yeah. I think I'm going to like overkill at this point. Um, and going into the lyrics. So, you know, the majority of my listening, I, I didn't really care to think too much about the lyrics, but, um, uh, you know, just after doing a little more research, reading about it, um, the subject matter of the song sort of came up. So I got interested in checking out the lyrics. I asked a friend if they would translate them and they did. um, And, you know, I I mean, I'm not going to sit here and read them or anything, but I'll just say that it's it's about as poetic as I felt like the song already was. You know what I mean? There's this Uh. idea of, like, sort of running through, running around Tokyo looking for this person, looking for another person. And one of the best parts of the song for me especially in the live version comes towards the tail end of part one. Um, you kind of know where like, it sounds like children are sort of singing along like that. Yeah. He's yeah. singing something about like, you know, what is that song that you that you were singing? What, what about it? Do you remember? And it's just like very like yeah. abstract questions like that. And, um, you know, it it kind of just creates an experience for you when when you're listening to it and i think that's why i can't stop listening to it because it just feels like like a game almost or a story like you want to get to the end yeah. or you want to experience the whole thing um in one take it's really it's it's definitely the type of thing that you can't just jump in at any point like i feel like you have to start yeah, right, right from the beginning and and experience the whole thing
0: yeah that's that's pretty interesting because i like consciously avoided like looking up the lyrics or any information about them because I just wanted to like maintain that mystery. There's yeah, just something same. like so mysterious about this whole album. And I was like, you know, and that's like kind of a Sigur Rost thing, you know, he like, it's sort of, sort of a corny gimmick in retrospect, but he sings like <laughs> in a made up language, you know, but it adds like this mystical transcendent quality to it. Um, and yet I felt sort of validated by, I guess I can't be sure because I don't know shit about Japanese, but there are lots of long stretches where it's just like wordless vocals. Right. Yeah. Um, Lots of like oohs and ahs and ba ba ba's. And, you know, there's even like a couple on the record we should mention, you know, a couple female vocalists come in for a few spots. And, you know, particularly the one in the just before like the middle section that that we'll talk about. Um, you know, she starts like doing some vocal fireworks in a way that's like really reminds me of Pink Floyd's Great Gig in the Sky yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it just feels like no words could really capture this like rapture that this woman is in at that like really pivotal moment. Um, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you guys are on board, but those kind of wordless vocals, I think are just so essential, you know, to the to the spirit of this album. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think that that's why I didn't look up the lyrics or anything, too, because it I, it, it just sort of felt better to not know, you know, it it it. it, it left the mystery uh of the the record and um yeah just like like i i really enjoy like that aura and i i, I listen to like a lot of music from other countries and stuff and i don't know i, n- I never really feel like i want to know what they're saying uh maybe that's just me being lazy or or what but no
2: well i mean because the, the trouble is like translation right it, yeah it never like when really you're comes lyrics out. or poems or yeah like it there's not a direct translation. Even the person who translated this, are like, "Look, it's not. It's very difficult yeah. to translate lyrics because a lot of it's like its emotions, and they yeah exactly are they may not exist, you know, exactly in English the same way, you know, right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, we um. Oh yeah, one thing you mentioned earlier, which was that like it just it just you just want to like listen to it again and again, and I think there, there's sort of like a brilliant trick here, which is that. It's a long song, but it's a pretty short album, you know? It's a 35-minute album. Right, so, like, right. you you get the best of both worlds. Like you get the epic quality, and yet it's, like, very, very, you know, listenable, very snappy. Yeah, that's true. Um, on that note, though, I want to start, like, sort of talking about the, the individual parts a little bit. And I think that the best place to start here is part three, all right, which is, you know— A lot of people are just so enthusiastically in love with this album. um, And we're talking about a lot of the reasons why. But part three seems to be a hang up for a lot of people, even like pretty big fans, otherwise. Um, You know, I wonder, you you sort of described a little bit, Dan, but can you describe part three and what makes it challenging?
1: I mean, I think because it becomes like the, the the rest of the record is like very obviously, you know, quote unquote music, you know, like what what you would mm. think of as as normal music. This this part gets into like uh, a real experimental thing. Uh, it, it's pretty ambient. There's like sort of. Uh it's hard to even describe like the sounds exactly but it's sort of like a bubbling sound and, and everything yeah, like water drops yeah or yeah something, but, uh, but not like light like that you know no,
2: like, that is no the yeah, most, yeah it is the most uncomfortable feeling when i was listening to this and <laughs> it just sounds like a like a you know a brick falling into water somebody picking it up and just dropping it yeah. in again like these loud
1: boom yeah it's, that's it's, I, it's I, that's what loud. like makes it sort of hard to describe because we you know it normally like when us when uh you know it It's not odd to have like an experimental section when you're having like a thirty five minute long site so you know like it's sort of it's right, sort right. of in the rule book a little bit, but like normally you know like it would go into like a sort of ambient thing, especially like the water trick I feel like that's a you know that's a classic uh experimental ambient thing uh you know like yeah. a running river or something but but yeah it's not like um it's not like a particularly calming <laughs> you know water sound like like <laughs> yeah. like Darren said i think that's a good description actually it's like something very heavy being like dropped into water or something like. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's that and then there's like
0: you know it's a quality of dub music in general where you like add so much reverb mm-hmm. that it sounds like you know watery um and they really amp that kind of shit up in the middle section so that like you know it's like dropping a brick into water and then adding yeah, watery yeah, yeah, effects yeah. to it <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah, it's yeah. like very overwhelming I, um the the arpeggio disappears the like a piano is just playing, like, basically, it's, like, kind of filling in for the arpeggio, but it's not, like, running through all the chords, you know, like that, or all the notes like that. It's just, like, sort of hitting two notes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes, like, a little bit darker and a little bit, like, like much more minimal. Um, you get other, you know, so you think about, like, this water drop sound is a little odd, but then you also get, like, laser sounds, like, pew, 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 yeah. again, with lots of delay and reverb. You get, like, group you know so it gets like Willy Wonka tunnel you know e like like a little bit that's a, yeah that's a good silly. description actually <laughs> um you also get like these bells like that are just ringing like and it sounds like an alarm clock going off and it's so loud it like overwhelms even the water drops um so like you mentioned not comforting at all and then the drums like start you know just rolling like wild drum solo type shit um, that become increasingly lo-fi to where it just becomes like distorted like mm-hmm. um, what do you make of all this you know this part and do you like this part
2: darren um you know it, it's it's a little difficult it was it was much more difficult i think at first um getting through it because i as i mentioned the uncomfortable water dropping sound but um you know the more i listened to it it, it kind of just became a part of the overall experience you know what i mean like i it just never felt like it was too um you know i i didn't think it was awful or anything like i i know that like things will pick back up for parts four and five um and actually yeah. the live version i think is actually really really gorgeous the way um this portion is handled you've you've got the piano kind of still going in the background but then yeah it sort it of ties like it yeah. shimmers you know what i mean into this whatever type of s- effect that just slowly builds up it's a lot less uh uh discomforting you know there's the water drop is still happening on the live version but it's it's not as loud you know what i mean so
0: and it it gets totally buried because i think you know and we could just talk about it now but yeah part three is like the biggest change i think between the two versions Yeah, Um, yeah and the live version it's like they really kind of fix whatever problem you you could you know perceive with the the record version um it basically gets like where it gets to the point where these like sounds and stuff are running, but it's clear that everybody is just playing with the effects on them, you know? Right. And that those ringing bells start to like, just, they just overwhelm the whole thing and they just become constant. But the like reverb and the filters and stuff are getting played with to where it becomes more of like an ambient wash. And then you never lose those arpeggiating notes, even though they're getting tinkered with as well. Um, it really becomes like very much like um, Oval's album, Do While, you know, yeah. or 94 discount, but the song Do While, um, like a very beautiful, like almost glitchy ambient track. Did you find that that was like markedly improved on the live version, Dan?
1: Uh I don't know. I maybe you're into the yeah, abstract noisiness. I, I liked it. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't come as a surprise. You know, I I like weird experimental music, so I I I enjoyed like that that section on on uh the studio record. Um, I, I felt like it, it's sort of like a nice um little break. You know, like it, it, if if yeah. the song just continued the way it continues uh, for 35 minutes, I I think like it, it could possibly get stale or, or or anything but but you know taking this like little detour um you know like like i said it's sort of like almost expected in in like this sort of one song album thing and it's not like it's overly um long or anything like that section's six and a half minutes um yeah you know so it's not like oh you know we're, we're doing this for 20 minutes or something we you know it's like sort of just like a a, a, a short little aside um and so I liked it. I, I mean, the, the, on the, the live version, I I, I enjoyed it uh, just as much, I think.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really quite interesting because I think on the record, it is more of like a detour or an excursion. And on the live version, it's more of like, you know, just the, the song like getting overwhelmed with like ambient drone and like bright lights and stuff. Um, so cool in different ways. But I, I do, I wondered if you would dig this, Dan, because it, it does kind of remind me of like, steve reich like phasing experiments a little bit at points mm -hmm. um it feels like a little bit tied to that world of like japanese noise rock like with boredoms or um you know these like tokyo flashback um you know uh compilations that have been coming out lately and been really cool um what's that one band you like uh the jam band starts with a it'll come to me later um Acid Mother's Temple. Oh, yeah, like that, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it does you know, remind like, me of that, yeah. It enters into that world, um, and you kind of need to, like, enter that new world to then emerge on the other side. Um, you know, on that note, what, you know, I, I find it kind of difficult, honestly, to divide the parts, like the other parts, um, you know, one, two, four, and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost got this, like, a magical quality, again, where maybe if i had taken notes the first time i listened to it i would have been able to like get an accurate picture but i've listened to it so much and because of its like repetitive quality when like new melodies come in i cannot remember if it's the first time i'm hearing it this time (laughs) you know what i mean and that's almost like a cool quality of the record but did you also struggle with that like dividing those parts up darren
2: yeah I I tried to make some notes you know, like so I wrote down for part 1 I'm like all right children singing like that is right, part of that. part 1 okay part 2 <laughs> right. I actually felt like I struggled with because it's sort of you know it kind of repeats elements of part 1 part 2 is yeah. repeating parts of ele- elements of part 1 and then for part 3 I was like okay drum solo like I I get it like that's when I start hearing the wild drumming that's part 3 part 4 is, right. like where you hear the ba ba ba, 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 ba. Right, that, that right. part and then part five i i still had a hard time because again it, it kind of like reprises some of the right. previous elements but yeah it was it was definitely a struggle and i i i, did, I will say that like the, i was having to look at the times to really make sure okay like identifying it, it 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 did become a little bit easier when you sort of define the times like when the parts end you know what i mean like when it kind of fades down and then picks back up that became a little bit easier but as far as like being able to particularly point out and say this is what part two was this is what part four has that was always kind of difficult
0: yeah and i honestly think that that's to its credit because you do kind of get lost in lost in it and i think part of the point is you like don't you know when i'm listening to the record version i'm just like when when did that sound get here you know it feels like it's been going on forever and i don't but I, I know it wasn't at the start, you know, or like, when did that disappear? I, I lost the arpeggio and I, yeah. I don't remember when it, you know, it left. So right. well, and I when, and when really you cool. start,
2: when you start listening to the live version, right, you find out that like part of their objective with the live version of long season was to always play it slightly different. So mm-hmm. even though we're really only listening to, to two tracks, there were parts of like the, the live one I, I would listen to a lot. And then I'm like, where, where is that in the studio? Is <laughs> yeah. it, it's not even there. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But then it's easy to forget which belongs where. Exactly. Um,
0: Yeah. But I mean, otherwise, just in general, Dan, you know, maybe aside from part three or maybe part three is your answer. But like, were there sort of highlight moments, highlight melodies for you on this record?
1: I mean, I I think like like you guys both sort of said it, it's so hard to delineate like from all the parts except for three, um, and I think that speaks like to the hypnotic quality and the like replayability of it because um, I, I think I think it's a record that you do want to listen to over and over because. Like like you said, because then it, it's like you don't you don't know when is that the first time I heard that is, is that uh, you know ha, has this been going on the whole time and that that's like such a great uh, thing about this record. Um, but I I mean I I really love that like arpeggio uh, you know piano loop thing. It, it it just like really reminds me of like Steve Reich and and Philip Glass and mm-hmm. stuff so, you know like the Minimalist, Yeah, um, that like. I, I i love the drumming on like the entire record especially in like part three when it becomes like that that weird lo-fi mess and stuff you know it's like just such a cool trick um but uh you know i mean really just there. I, I, there's not really a part of the record I, I i don't like to be honest
0: yeah i mean it's interesting because it's like I would say like the accordion is one of my favorite parts. And yet, you know, cause it's like when it comes in, I'm like so delighted by it. It's like, so, mm-hmm. I don't know, just something very moving about it. But then it's like, also, I feel kind of the same way when the violin comes in, you know? And, um, you know, and when like that, that main like punchy kind of like synth line or that like, it almost sounds like a sampled organ or something. Um, were there highlight moments for you, Darren?
2: So many, so many, um, you know, and I'll just say it upfront like i i love the live version more right um yeah. and in that live version that moment in part one where like it sounds like children are singing it's like louder much louder in this live version like yeah. much more pronounced it and i i just love it like i wish i wish they would have come back to it in like a couple of the other parts because it's just so catchy it's like so yeah such a great moment um just so like emotional i don't know i I just really really dig it um and then there's a there's a really great like chant in part four which i'm pretty sure is not in the studio version during that like um there's like a bunch of them just chanting like da 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 da, da." and it's and then he starts singing it's just it's just really great how these moments like kind of just organically build up they happen and then they pass and we move on to something different and we never come back to it again. You know? Um, it's like, there's like this longing. And then when you find out that the lyrics have a little bit to do with like, you know, what did you remember about this song or like something special about a certain song? Like that's, what's happening as I'm experiencing this song right here, you know, like I'm, I'm hearing these things. I I can hear the children singing portion from part one when I'm in like part five. Right um it sounds like it comes back maybe it doesn't or maybe it does like it's just really neat how they sort of play with that like uh, clearly they must have known like oh this is a really great thing but we're not going to do it again like because the, the song is just ever evolving it's just kind of constantly moving um part five i think is really cool it has like a really sweet like uh, guitar solo i know dan you're not so i want to ask dan that. about this <laughs> <laughs> Because basically, if I was going to be
0: like uncharitable, right, I would say that he goes like full Santana oh, yeah, on the yeah, ending yeah, there. Fair, yeah. But you could make it like totally palatable, I think, to Dan if you just described it as like maggot brain, you know, from, uh, <laughs> from Funkadelic. Like, Funkadelic. Um, yeah, it's just like, you know, because it does have that there's like a lot of wah and like, you know, sort of filters Phaser on it and sound, stuff. But yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, what, what what do you make of that, of that? like... I mean, does it give it, like, a crescendo thing? Or are you just like, oh, shit, why are they ruining this with a solo... Like, you remember that, uh, what's that, Manuel Gotching album?
1: E2, yeah, E4? oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, the, like, so amazing, and then he's like, let's rip shredding. a solo. <laughs>
0: did you, did you yeah, feel that way, Dan?
1: No, no, no. It honestly didn't bother me much, because, cause, yeah, it, it adds, like, a, a sort of crescendo quality to it. And, like, I mean, it, it adds a little bit of, like the jamminess you know i i know we keep saying like it, it doesn't like feel like that but i mean in any sort of 35 minute thing's gonna have like uh, uh moments of that and so i i think i think it's not like it, it's not like incredibly out of place it's it's not with the effects and everything i, I think it's still cool it still like fits in um it, it didn't it didn't like bother me too much
0: it's very very dirty like it's it's mm-hmm. shocking that it fits because There's so much feedback and like amp buzz and stuff. And they're really using that toward the sound of the solo. And like the solo is very melodic and yet it's like the noisiest, like sloppiest kind of thing. Um, Interesting that that works, I'll just say. Um, Another thing I wanted to highlight real quick is like the part four, I think, as it's sort of coming into existence, because it almost like comes to a complete stop. um, You get these kind of like reversed rhythmic sounds. You know, it gives you like the some, a lot of this album gives you the vibe of like, let's try everything and maybe we'll find a place for it and maybe we won't. But it just so happened that this kind of like reverse, like, whoosh, 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 it almost sounds like a, you know, the beginning of like a of a God, what's the Hendrix song where there's like that like, you know, backwards loop or whatever. Um, Are You Experienced the song? Um, you know, it's like It's just an interesting, strange touch that just doesn't really come back again, but it's cool that they use these, like, reverse effects to kind of get back there. Um, So, having sort of dug through a lot of this track, I want to ask, how did it go getting into this? I guess I'm getting a sense, but did you come to love it, Dan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I I took to it pretty quickly. I, I sort of mentioned that like the, the vocals were like the one thing that took a little bit to get used to. Um, uh. you know, he sort of has like a, an odd voice. Um, like you, yeah. you mentioned it, it's, it's kind of high. I, the, the first time it came in, I was like, ah man, had to go and ruin it with the uh, singing. But, um, <laughs> it, it really, uh, I, I, once I got used, I got used to it probably, uh, you know, the second, second go through. And, uh, from then on, I, 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 I liked it, um, quite a bit. And, uh, really had no problem
0: yeah what about you darren did it was it like challenging at first at all or was it
1: no just grab
2: you immediately it grabbed me immediately i mean I, I absolutely loved it i mean you guys you guys know I'm, i may be a little biased when it comes to you know, japanese related things <laughs> but um <Yeah. laughs> so i was a little hyped already like oh this is gonna be good and you know it kind of blew me away basically um honestly i didn't really know what to expect you know Uh, I've listened to some Japanese folk music, you know, things that are not like necessarily J-pop, right. But, um, just hadn't heard anything quite like this. And it's one of those experiences where, you know, I, I think I talked about this way back in the day when, when we, when I first listened to like car seat headrests, you know, you this, this obsession quality kind of takes over you and yeah. you're finding yourself like, I, I got to learn everything I can learn about this band. I'm like, whoa, you know, Sato, Sato, he died. He, that, you know, it, it, it changes things, um, adds mystique and, and builds a, a new story around the band itself. And then makes the, li- the, the repeated listens like fresh. Cause now I'm listening for different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was pretty much, I, I was good from the, from the very beginning.
0: Yeah, I was I was like pretty pretty much immediately grabbed. I think like the sound is so, it's just like if you haven't listened to it, like whatever you're imagining, it's just going to like still surprise you yeah. what it sounds like. Because I'm like, is this a band? Is this a DJ? Like what the fuck is this? It's like, it was just so not what I was expecting. I, hear, I heard words thrown around like psychedelic and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, just the strangest mixture. So it did grab me immediately. And yeah, I found myself like, you know, I, I would listen through it. And then I would be like humming it, like just involuntarily, constantly, you know, cause it's so catchy and so like repetitive mm-hmm. and loopy, but, um, but
2: it's then, family friendly too. uh, played it around the kids quite a bit. They were all into it <laughs> at it. various, various points. I don't think anyone listened to all 35 minutes in one sentence,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. My, my girlfriend also liked it, uh, quite a lot. I'll, I'll admit, um, so girlfriends and families,
2: good, good. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think it's just like undeniably catchy, it's yeah. like extremely catchy, which is crazy for a 35 minute song. Um, You know, so I guess we all agree then that it's like sort of it, it deserves this new classic status it's attaining. But like, I'm wondering what I mean, wh- what do you think its legacy is going to be? Like, what heights could it reach? Is it going to be just like a rate your music, you know, curio kind of a thing? Do you think? in 50 years they will be inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and we will be like it's the new velvet underground i mean that's probably a scale from 1 to 10 where is this going to land
1: i mean i think it'll stay a uh um internet curio you know kind of thing um i i think it's hard for for stuff to to get higher than that uh you know the the way things are nowadays um but i mean i i'm I think it does definitely like deserve the status. And, I, and anytime one of these things like pops up like this, it, it makes me like so glad, you know, like sometimes I, I feel like I've listened to so many records that there's just like mm-hmm. nothing left to discover, you know, and then, and then when you find a, a record like this that I had never even heard of, that's from 1996, you know, like, right. um, you know, it just makes me like really, really happy that there's a, uh, there's still something left out there.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, what do you think about that, Darren?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's a really
2: good question. I mean, I, I feel like it'll it'll probably, you know, I, I don't think it'll attain levels of, like, you know, Velvet Underground or Rock and Roll Hall of Fame type of thing. Um, but, you know, maybe... It's kind of like a neutral milk hotel type of thing, you know. It, it what, what's what's unfortunate yeah. is that the band can never really play together again, right? You yeah, know, that was one of the things that, I, that was already it into. I was already looking into. Like, oh, I was like, oh man, you know, are they still touring? <laughs> like, am I going to be able to see them? That'd be so cool to see this, even if they're like much older. But uh, yeah, when you find out that like Shinji sato died i mean that kind of put a damper on all of that which is which is too bad Anything but i mean like that, I, go ahead
0: does that add to it you know because there are a lot of like you know nobody got to see the velvet underground and yeah. now it's like such a That's thing true. of mystery like oh my god imagine you know you listen to like the matrix tapes it's clear that there's like 25 people in the fucking room and you're like god you know those people just got to hear that you know you see like <laughs> pictures of joy division performing and it's yeah. like in somebody's living room i mean
2: I think that it, definitely it might adds add to it. it. Yeah, I think it does. I think it definitely does. Yeah,
0: I I don't know. It's going to sound crazy, but I could see this like becoming pretty big. And, you know, you think, you talk, you mentioned Nutramilk Hotel. I mean, I think Nutramilk Hotel is going to be like a rock and roll Hall of Fame thing. Like, hmm. I mean, is, is that nuts? Because everybody of our generation adores them.
1: Right. And it's like,
0: yeah, but you know, it, it, it seems I, a little I crazy think, now, think, but it's like...
1: I think you're stuck in like the bubble of like the people we know and the places we hang out on the internet like all know about neutral milk hotel i i don't think like but we, that's gonna we're gonna
0: be the new boomers one day you know we're gonna
1: run <laughs> no no that's not what i mean i don't rock mean people all fame i don't mean people our and, age i don't mean people our age no but, I, but that's I, I, what i mean. mean it's like nobody
0: listened to like the velvet underground right except for a select few and then all those people became like you know the rock like legacy acts and they all love velvet underground nobody listened at all to nick drake And then the people who adored him became like those, you know, the indie, like soft lo-fi rockers of like the 80s and 90s, you know. And then now he's like an icon. And I think that, you know, it's a stretch. It's it's pretty early. We're so early that we don't have like, like the next step is going to be, you know, Anthony Fantano will make a video reviewing Fishman's. I can definitely see that happening. Right. Then the next step is that Pitchfork will do like a Sunday classic review of this album. And I could totally see that happening. You know, they'll act like we always knew it. We never reviewed it just because we didn't feel like it, you know, um, they'll get around to it. And then it's on like basically the most popular site. Then maybe there's like a reissue campaign a couple of years later, blah, 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 you know, and I could see it. It's a stretch, but I could see like it becoming pretty prevalent in this new generation and that that generation one day taking over and then
1: being viewed pretty highly. Am I crazy?
2: I, yeah, don't, I, I don't so. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean I I don't Yeah, I mean I mean so. just
1: lo- just just looking right now like uh MocoTel has just under a million uh monthly listeners. Uh Fishman's has uh, uh, around 150,000 uh you know monthly listeners. So yeah. I they're they're pretty they're pretty far apart, I think. I don't know. I just imagine like
0: Michael Stipe before he's famous. He's hanging out like in an Athens record store with his with his buddies and he's like you think the world will ever know nick drake like no dude it's like the it's just our bubble like only hipsters know nick drake you know and then
1: boom what do you know so (laughs) yeah but it's possible even nick drake i think is a bad example because i don't think like like your mom doesn't know who nick drake is and she's you know the same age as michael stipe that's something that again people that (laughs) like music like us know about like nick drake is like the level of neutral milk hotel i mean maybe maybe slightly more Gabe's just hoping people will revisit this
2: podcast many years from now. <laughs> yeah, no, He's just trying, yeah, to be a he's trying to look like a
1: soothsayer. <laughs> this is what I'm saying.
0: Some people are going to say that we're like pretty late to the party. You know, I think that there were a couple of like big, you know, developments actually in the last couple of years that i I meant to mention at the top, which is that like, I think, you know, it's one of those things where I think it became like a meme on mew and then, you know, it, it ended up getting forced into reality where like people actually love this thing. Um, but then, um, you know, I think it was like 2000 God, So 2016, there were like reissues of these albums, which were extremely expensive and hard as hell to find. And, um, now those reissues are extremely expensive and hard to find, but still, um, and then it was something like 2017 or 2018. Um, no, actually just about a year ago, I jotted down, uh, that all their stuff hit streaming for the first time. So I think these are like wow. the logical steps toward the growth. And, um, you know, some like hardcore fans might say we're pretty late, but I, I, you know, we're like right at the cusp, I think where they might start. They might, 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 might start getting pretty big. Now (laughs) I want to shift a little bit to that live album, 98, 12, 28. Um, we talked quite a bit about it, but I mean, if you had to sum it up, like the wide view, I mean, what is like so special about the live version? It's very common for people on radio music, for example, to, you know, swear that the live version is is the definitive version that it's so much better than the record. Why do people say that?
2: Well, I think it just flushes out certain parts a little bit. I mean, it's actually like six minutes longer. Um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, there's a lot that, that happens in that extra six minutes. You know, there's, there's a section there towards the tail end of, I believe like part four where the violin sort of keeps repeating, um, a part in like, all of the music just slowly kind of fades and fades and fades. until it's just the violin by, by itself. Um, in fact, that might be the start of part four. That's how it, that's how it's, it opens on, um, on YouTube anyway. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it seems to just have a much better flow, even though it's like six minutes longer, it seems like the parts go, go, you know, are fleshed out just a little bit more. We talked about how part three just makes so much more sense. Um, I think running the piano as sort of like a metronome, just kind of constant throughout, constantly, yeah. um, kind of bridges that gaps the gap between you know part two and part four, right? So keeping that constant through there, I think is like a, a really great through line. I mentioned a couple of the moments where like in part one with the children singing, the part four, I believe, um, the additional singing, it just sounds, it just sounds like kind of kind of we've talked about this before right like when you have a piece of music and you play it live and you kind of just add new ideas and keep adding new ideas and we talked about this is probably what happened in the studio it sounds like they just kind of continued to do that like adding more things to it and this this sounds like what would be the definitive version after the recording you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah i mean i think that you know they must have been started playing and stuff and realized that the thing like kind of falls apart in a live setting yeah in the middle, you know, and that you need like a through line, but they don't even just, you know, it's not even just part three. It's like the thing is running like nonstop and there are a few key moments where it drops out. There's a part like in part four where, you know, he's just strumming the chords and singing and it's, it's got like a real like 90s ballad kind of vibe. Like because it's just one man with a clean, you know, electric guitar strumming and singing Um and then everything sort of slowly starts to come back in around him, including the like amazing arpeggio but um yeah i mean do you feel what do you feel like makes it special dan
1: um you know i i think a lot of stuff like like darren said you know it, it does sort of feel like uh a, a bit more like labored over you know like you you could see like it it's had like a little bit of evolution it does have like six extra minutes and all. i i'll say i i kind of prefer the studio one i i, I like the mm. I like just the overall the sound of it better. Um I, I really on the live one the like and Darren you said you like this. So sorry, but um when when they start that little chant the like duh duh long the you know whatever like and I got that was a, the, the hit was a little corny for me. Um I, I I really could do without that that portion. Um so I, I think I I honestly really preferred the studio version
0: interesting i mean there there are a lot of merits to um to that i think because the studio has like this kind of warm clean like timelessness to it where it just sounds like you know like i said it sounds like it could be sampled it could be like real whatever there's like a controlled like quality to it there's even like a vinyl crackle to some of the samples that they're using and stuff that like gives the whole thing kind of this like weird timelessness um Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big difference here on the live version, which is it sounds like a quite a muscular band, you know, playing. You don't get to run the drums through the high pass filter that make them so light and controlled, Uh you know, in contrast to the booming bass. It's like both the drums and the bass are quite booming. And yet it adds like a real urgency to the sound. You know, if like the, you know, I guess it sounds corny, but, you know, the, the studio version just makes me feel like I'm like spinning in some spiral or something, you know, getting, like, just, I don't know, whatever. Um, This one is more like a rush, like I'm, like, moving somewhere. I'm go, It's taking me somewhere really fast. And the, you know, in the studio, you've got to kind of, like, they'll slowly bring the rhythm section down. It'll disappear. It'll, like, slowly arrive again. Here there's much more of, like, a start-stop thing. You know what I mean? Where it, like, crashes in and it gives it like this sort of propulsiveness that I don't know. It gives a lot of energy that I think I can imagine people, uh, gravitating toward, even though maybe I also do prefer kind of like the gentle glitteriness of the studio. Um, you agree with any of that as far as the rhythm section, Darren?
2: Yeah. And I, I think that's what sort of makes it feel like a journey a bit more in the live version because it, it does feel like you're moving, you know what I mean? Um, Uh and there's like this sense of like longing in his voice, you know, like, like on some sort yeah. of search or on some sort of journey. And I, I think it just comes through so much clearer. I feel like in in the live version, um, the studio version, though, I think is a different experience, which is cool. Because I, I think I'm going to always like go back and forth and never really just, you know, prefer yeah. one and only listen to one. Um, because I I think it offers, just like you said, a, a little bit different of a of an experience and less about movement and more of just maybe like a wandering or Yeah or floating you know, or something right, like right, right, right. Right. Which is, which is really neat. I I think both work and I, I went back and forth this entire time that we were listening. Um, and ne- never really felt, you know, never really felt like I needed to choose one or the other. I, I think ultimately I would pick the live version just because I think there's a, there's just a little more of an exciting factor, um, that I more of a rush that I really enjoy in it, but yeah, but the studio version is is definitely got its own merits to to think about.
0: Another thing I want to mention is the uh, we get actually two guitar solos here on the live <laughs> version, and um and actually a lot more like guitar. There's a lot of like wah guitar with this yeah. kind of like funkier rhythm playing, um that that kind of fills in. You know, there's a part where it is just like the violin and that like plucky kind of wah guitar, which is kind of an interesting effect, and the the wah guitar like often plays with the arpeggiating notes in a really interesting way, but damn that like middle guitar solo it like starts and I'm like, okay, I guess this is why it's going to be six minutes longer is because this is going to shred over a lot more of it. But (laughs) it is like very emotional and like very moving that middle guitar, I mean, it's very melodic and it's just like keeps soaring and soaring. Um, darren you're you're a, a kind of a rocker did you i mean did you feel pretty moved by that as well
2: yeah absolutely it was it was um i, I really love the guitars actually all over the uh the live version um it was really cool kind of watching it uh on youtube and like i mentioned that like synth synth note is played by the guy who does like all the soloing and stuff mm. um And, you know, uh, I think you mentioned how it plays along with the violin. It also plays along kind of with the the accordion down towards the end as well, which is like a really interesting sort of take. But yeah, like uh, the the dirtiness, um, I don't know. It just seems to work. It it is kind of strange how it sticks out a bit um, from everything else that's going on, but... It seems to work. Um I, I I think the fact that there's not just a ton of lyrics or a ton of singing on this whole track, I think you give a lot of that vocalization to the guitar solo. Yeah, you know? yeah, true. Um it definitely true. like Yeah, because it kinda it kinda does like take the place of the great
0: gig in the sky style yeah. female vocals, yeah, you know, which yeah. they obviously didn't have here. And it is just like an ecstatic, like rapturous solo that is really, I think, incredible. Um you know, I wanted to mention as well that You know, we touched on it, I guess, but there there is just like, I don't know, there's something like very sad about, you know, like they're they're basically saying goodbye to the bassist or whatever, Um, and they sound happy and at peace with it or whatever, but they like don't realize that they're saying goodbye to, Mm -hmm. you know, the singer as well, and it's just like, it just is like, the, the way that this thing ends, like on this big crescendo, when you add that context to it, it's just like... I don't know, does it does it make you feel heartbroken even though the song is like so joyous? I mean, that really adds a lot of like a real special quality I yeah, think, yeah, to this live it, version. It
2: makes me feel like how fortunate are we to have this? I mean, you know, yeah. it's,
1: how How often, often you get to hear like the final yes. notes yeah, that's played exactly. by a band exactly and I that they work say. so well. Yeah. Yeah not only get to hear it but like it's like professionally recorded and you know it's not just like some bootleg or something you know i know and it sounds like they're in
2: their prime you know like at the height of their powers you know this sounds like Mm -hmm. the best performance of long season yeah it does does. yeah right so
0: yeah it feels like a little bit of like a like we we often talk about like capturing a moment in a room that's like really you know just a once in a lifetime thing and that's the kind of thing where i'm like Can you imagine being in this room, like, seeing this concert, watching this 40-minute song? Like, holy shit. Um, So did you guys dabble at all in the rest of the live album? What did you make of that? I was, like, I'll admit, initially, like, very turned off by the extremely reggae songs Mm -hmm. on there. um, And just shocked, you know, because it's, like, I was listening to Long Season, like, over and over again before I started branching out in that way. And it was, like... It's got such a like, where does this come from kind of quality? Like I've never heard anything quite like this. And then to be able to identify the roots of it, you know, like in the sense of, oh, that's where the funky guitar comes from. Oh, that's where the the reggae, you know, the dubby bass line comes from. Like Startling for sure, I mean, but what did you make of the rest of the live album
1: yeah, i mean i i i I struggled with it a little bit honestly i i was I was kind of disappointed like because i I like you I listened to long season the album like a bunch, and then I was like, oh I, I kind of got excited because I saw it was like two hours and whatever, and I was like, oh, you know man, you know two hours of this is gonna be great, but then yeah really. uh, it's just like <laughs> reggae rock for uh the first half of it or whatever, <laughs> and i uh, i i was not digging that at all and then uh yeah honestly like i i don't think i really like much of the live album other than the performance wow. of of long season it, it was honestly like a big disappointment i was i was really kind of looking forward to it wow what did you think darren
2: i mean i you know obviously not as impressed um as long season but i i also didn't really expect to hear anything that was going to blow me away on the same level right um I think it was interesting to to hear the band you know sound uh I guess you know kind of go through some of their other areas of music that they've sort of covered. There's a lot more singing obviously. Um there's a really long track called uh, in the air uh, yeah, a little bit later yeah. on which I thought was was pretty cool. Um it has a little bit of that vibe. I mean there's there's bits and pieces I, I don't think that it's i i feel a lot less about like uh you know oh long season is just you know totally totally different i think there's definitely elements of it kind of all over these other tracks um but yeah i mean i thought they were fine i listened to it you know several times and enjoyed it we'll continue to listen to it but you know obviously long season is kind of just a, a totally different uh you know it's in a league of its own right yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, f- I felt like like when it comes to the long season performance, something I forgot to mention is that because it is quite guitar based um, more so than the record and you get these like, you know, you get these kind of like jangly rhythm guitars and these leads and stuff like it, it roots it much more in the 90s than, you know, in the kind of like the 90s alternative rock uh, vibe like than the record does, which sounds like totally just where did this come from? Um, and you know, listening to the record, the whole record does kind of, you know, it gives you more of that. You realize like, oh, this is like a working band in the nineties, you know? Um, and so at first I was a little bit disappointed, but as I came to, you know, as I listened to it more, I I started, you know, the song started to like really work on me like this, the first track, Oh Slime. I was like, God, it's a little boring that it's just like these two like kind of guitar chords back and forth for so long. But then it's like, that ending, you know, with like the, you know, it's like, and then I was like, damn, that's really great. And then (laughs) before I knew it, I like loved the whole eight minute song. Um, even though it's like very mellow and quite minimal, um, you know, and then like, I started to find that, you know, as I would listen to the record, I'd be like, "Wow, night cruising is also like a really great song and then it was like one of those things where I was just like I realized that my first impressions were off because the more I listened to it, I got over like the kind of nineties dated quality of it, which is undoubtedly there um and started to love it in the way that I love like Radioheads the bends or something or like you know radiohead's like uh reading performance, that famous reading performance yeah, where yeah, were, yeah, this yeah. record reminds me of that um they were definitely more normal back then, but it's possible to get over it and then you discover these incredible songs. And I feel like the, the rest of the album has that same quality. Um, I particularly love the last track on the first disc, melody. Um, but obviously nothing really touches long season, even though I think that's okay. Um, so as we shift into sort of wrapping up here, um, did you guys do, any, do any branching out beyond these two records? I, I tried listening to the next record a little bit, which I won't be able to pronounce at all. Uchu Nippon set, Uh, yeah um which is like almost equally acclaimed as long season a lot of people say it's their favorite and it is like fully a dream pop kind of album with like trip hop beat type elements um i found that pretty incredible even though i didn't spend a whole lot of time with it so did you guys branch out at all do you intend to did this did long season make you want to
1: I uh, I didn't branch out, uh, mostly because I when it's something brand new uh, that I'm talking about, I, I just don't want to confuse mm-hmm. myself, you know, um, so I always kind of wait a little bit. But um, I did sort of really intend to, you know, when I was listening to Long Season, but then that, that live album, I, I just really didn't enjoy it that much, and it, it sort of made me uh, uh. less... Uh, uh, looking forward to checking other stuff, but that that record you just mentioned—I uh, won't try to pronounce it. I did already like save that <laughs> one to my phone. I, I'm pretty interested because it, it was a high score, uh-huh. and, and if I enjoy that one, I, you know, maybe I'll, I'll keep moving moving backwards. um So yeah, I I sort of intend to. I guess is is the answer. <laughs> what about you, Darren? um No, I didn't actually branch out because
2: I I think that the live album was a good sampling, and I kind of just wanted uh-huh. to focus on that, and then. Just that instant classic status of long season kind of just had me coming back for more. There really wasn't much room for me to listen to literally anything else. I mean, I've just been on repeat nonstop um, because I love it so much. And I kind of want to get to the point where I've had my obsession with it. And then I am definitely looking forward to checking out um, some of their other records as well. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think I'm definitely going to branch out more. I definitely want to hear, spend some like serious time with the other 1996 album because it's just hard to fathom that they dropped apparently another classic in the same year, um, although a very different approach. Um, so, one question I had as I'm continuing, you know, I want to start trying to explain like why this cult following, why this, why now, you know. Um, and you mentioned Dan that it seems pretty random, but one thought I had is that it, this is definitely like kind of indie rock, you know, and we are in like the lowest state of indie rock possible. You know, it is like, nothing is lamer. Nothing is like more boring and more old sounding. But, um, I had the kind of experience where as I was listening to this, I was thinking like, wow, this is kind of making like indie rock exciting to me again, like for the first time in a long time, you know, like almost 10 years now. Um, did you guys get that feeling at all? Do you think that explains the sudden reason? Like, when we need it most, there are no interesting indie rock bands at all. Uh, discovering this is kind of like, damn, this is what I've been waiting for.
1: I mean, I don't think it makes indie rock exciting again, because they would have to be, like, new, you know? Uh, but I, I think it's like what I said a little bit ago. You know, it's nice to find that, like we all missed out on something that was exciting and and good and and everything, Uh, especially in a genre that has become like so stale to find like something that, you know, that's 20 whatever years old and, and like still has like a a fresh idea in this stale genre, I think is exciting, but I don't think it like makes the genre exciting uh, by finding a 20 whatever year old record.
0: Yeah. But it's kind of like new, you know, it's like if you were like, God damn, I'm so bored of all indie rock records but i still like indie rock and then you like went to the past and you were like i found it you know i don't care when it was released yeah no i mean that that's
1: what i was saying earlier you know it it, it is always nice like to find those things especially when you feel like you've you've bled a genre or you know a year dry
0: yeah Uh, what do you think about that theory darren
2: yeah i mean i think it's it's really special nowadays to find something that you can sort of obsess over right it just doesn't seem to happen nearly as often and for it to kind of fall into that you know, very wide net of indie is, is cool. And whether it's 20 years old or not, like to me, it doesn't matter. Like right now in the, now I, this is my obsession and it's great to hear something like this. Um, it makes me hope that there's, there's more. And then, you know, the way it's rising up, I mean, Hey, maybe there are, you know, new bands that are coming along and hearing this hey, and yeah, getting influenced and we may see some sort of Renaissance at some point, you know? that's that's what's missing
0: from my theory earlier right for them to make it to the rock hall of fame um if they inspire like a whole new wave of musicians that's how it'll happen right because that's, yeah, that's how like yeah. velvet underground got there that's how nick drake got there yeah. um you know like and, and I, I think it's possible it's weird because you know we did that we did an episode a long time ago now on uh maryweather post pavilion right listening to it 10 years later and you know we all agreed it's still a great record but you know we can all remember when you first heard it mm-hmm. and how like new it sounded and it just sounded like incredible and it was interesting because this because the, the parts of this record made me think of that album it was just crazy like in 2020 to be having that experience with an indie rock record again like just like wow you know I, this is crazy um never heard anything like this um you know so yeah i don't know people there's still a lot of people that just like i don't know they want to like they want to grab guitars and drums and stuff and make music again, but that's like, so out and uh it's cool that there's something new to be inspired by. So that, that could do it. Um, all right. So I guess, uh, you know, really running out of questions here. Do you guys have any closing thoughts on this album? Um, you know, one thing I was wondering is like, it does seem like people have that cultish obsessiveness with this thing, which again, that might help. That might help them get to the rock hall. I'm going to start the like, campaign
2: together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go yeah, home. go for I'm, it. Start it now. <laughs> you need to start it now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, maybe closing thoughts, but also kind of like, do you feel that itch at all? Can you explain what about them? We talk, we started talking about sort of the mystery around them, but what about them is like making people so obsessive?
1: I think that mystery, you know, anytime there's a good story, especially like when a, uh, you know, a singer, an artist, whatever, like you know, dies b- uh, before their time, you know, kind of thing. You know, especially like before being like really, uh, you know, recognized or famous or anything. That I think that always expire uh, inspires like the cultishness. You know, I mean, even you know, like Jim Morrison and stuff. You know, it's it's like that that kind yeah. of thing just really. Um, when the per when the like you know person behind it's gone it, it it's it's like hard to get any story from it you know and i, I think that like um lends itself to to obsessiveness
2: yeah I, I think you know the the difference is though is that he doesn't seem to come from like a i don't know a period of darkness or anything like that so the, like no 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 I, I i didn't really read his death and then think okay now how do I reinterpret long season right, based on right. that? Um, but it definitely adds to the mystery, uh, you know, cause you just don't know there, what would have come afterwards, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I guess as far as like final thoughts, like I really love this record, like it's become an instant favorite. Um, it's, it's really cool to discover something like this. I think that, that pretty much anybody who listens to music with any level of like, you know, serious listening i guess would would find something to enjoy here um for those of us who have obviously been listening to a lot of music for a long time you know this is like a a great find right and um yeah you know it's 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 definitely cool to kind of come to it even though it's it's already building up steam to come to it like before the pitchforks and you know Fantano and all that kind of like jumping on board and stuff like I I totally see it Gabe I think that's probably what will happen but for anybody who's listening um, this is definitely something to check out and and kind of
1: dive into and, and get obsessed with
0: yeah I think I I can
1: simply agree all right well i think that's enough for today what do you think we'd love to read your thoughts on the air you can email us pop pod at gmail.com and uh once again next episode not sure uh we'll post it on instagram twitter all that crap though and if you like the show help us out by subscribing leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast stay connected twitter facebook instagram all that is at pop shield pod and we'll see you in two weeks see you so long